Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford. Feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. family this is another episode of making it rain and i got my supreme co-host over here who's been working hard and he writes so many articles about the ontario <laughs> rain they should be called the ontario downpour with how much content's coming out joe paterino my man how's it going uh fantastic brandon uh i'm, I'm doing very well how about you i'm doing great man hockey's back obviously wow. uh, last night Jeez. started off uh, 32nd team in the league. A little fun fact, Max Pacioretty, first person to ever score on all 32 teams. I know he had a little advantage being that they played the Kraken, but a little fun fact there for you. You know what? I don't think I knew that. I did not catch that. Yeah. I did not catch that. Um, I had, you know, I was thinking yesterday uh, because, you know, hockey's back on ESPN. And for me, um, I, that was a big deal for me when they left. And, but the biggest thing for me that they left was the theme song. That ESPN theme da, 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 is I just got chills doing it and I'm like probably toned out. So that's how I sound horrible. But to you, is that anything to you? I think we're similar in age wise, but just you got into hockey a little bit later. So I'm wondering, like, is that theme song mean anything to you? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't even hear it until the first time last night. Like that was the first time I ever heard it. And then, um, and then I heard it only on a, a replay because... Uh, I went, uh, went for a little uh, Tuesday night special on the movie theater last night. So I didn't even get to catch the the first go around, you know? And so yeah. I saw it on the replay and I was like, oh, that's kind of a catchy theme. But no, like Monday night football was like always the the big one. 
you know, for, for my age bracket, because I didn't really get into hockey until like 2010. Yeah. So like for me, there's the, the themes that stick out to me the most are, are primetime boomer and good Lord. I'm drawing a blank now on, on who, Oh my God, I can't believe I forget who that was anyways, but on ESPN, it was, it was uh, Berman. And then, but the NHL tonight theme and, and the hockey on ESPN, Gary Thorne, the music, the song, like it was, to hear that I'm getting chills every time I see like a commercial or a promo for it or on Twitter. And they did that fantastic feature video on the, the origins of the theme, mm-hmm. uh, which they did a really good job of. So it's awesome. I'm, I'm all, I'm here. I'm, I'm for it. Like they got a, an interesting panel, you know, people on Twitter are just going to complain about literally everything. And so I'm sure there's people complaining about TNT and the coverage or whatever, like, they're just getting started again. They're just getting, they're trying to find their flow. I'm sure it's going to be great though. Like they're going to have Gretzky here and there. Um, Biz Nasty. There's just so many guys like personalities and stuff. So it's awesome. I, I think it's exciting. I think I just saw earlier Gary Bettman had said that it was like a huge ratings. Uh, the opening night ratings was, was great. So it's awesome. I'm pumped, fired up. Hockey's back. Um, I, I can't wait. It's awesome. They, they already had a crossover tonight with Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. Yeah. Came. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I, I didn't see it, but I, had, I mean, I love Barkley. It had to be hilarious. If anybody could fit a, a, a puck past him in net with how big he is, it would probably be Gretzky. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a. And you and know they what? Gave, Look, they gave him gear. Like, how? Where do they find like goalie <laughs> content like big enough for those mitts? Seriously, and you know, I. I maybe I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority, but I love the fact just some of these ESPN personalities that that maybe you know, with hockey not being involved, I haven't paid as much attention to ESPN, but there's certain personalities. Like I love Stephen A. Smith and just the idea of him doing anything, even if it's just a brief segment somewhere on, on ESPN hockey related, I think it's awesome. It's hilarious. And I, I th- I'm really kind of interested to see how, where this goes with ESPN, but it should be fun at the very least. And hopefully they're loose and, and um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm interested to see because I know like a lot of, uh, you know, people down here in Texas, you know, if they're not introduced to the stars, they really don't know much about hockey, especially like when uh, people at my work and okay. ES- ESPN is is the biggest thing to watch sports on, really. So during the wintertime, it's all basketball and football, right? There's no baseball going on. There's yeah. really no nothing yeah. else going on. So it's all NBA news. And then during the week, it's uh, matchups for football. And that's pretty much it. And so now that ESPN is going to be having this coverage, I wonder how many more hockey fans are going to be made in markets that aren't necessarily big. So you're looking at, you know, Florida's and Arizona and, and Texas and all those, in all those markets, not that the stars don't do well, but the, you know, the lineage of playing hockey when when you're young, isn't there like it is up North. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think that, that one thing, and I know Batman catches a lot of heat. Some of it's probably rightfully so, but you know, there's from what I understand anyways, there's hockey rinks like all over the place in Arizona now. And you look at Austin Matthews as a product of the the move down south and you're seeing so many, you know, uh, players and, and kids come from the south now. So hopefully that this is just another layer to that, that ESPN having that coverage. Um, it's just another like you said, there's people that, that are just glued to ESPN because of football and basketball. And even if on the periphery, they oh, look at that, there's a a hockey game or there's Massive a Dallas star. Or, yeah. Right. Right. Or they see something Dallas and, and 
it clicks and all of a sudden you've got yourself potentially a new hockey fan. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Cause right now awesome. hey, team, team USA has got one already. Uh, you know, Seth Jones uh, got asked to be on the team. He's from Dallas. So hopefully we get some more players in from the South and can grow the sport. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, exactly. compete here and you're out with uh, the other powerhouses there in the hockey world. So it's going to be interesting to see the, the numbers and how it grows uh, over the next five years over the contract. So, yeah. Um, so speaking of growing, uh, team swelled up during training camp and got cut down to the nitty gritty and just in time for the season. Uh, the last cuts were Wagner and Strand. Uh, they both cleared waivers. So you have Mata and Athanasiu on, on IR and uh, Byfield and Akil Thomas on the uh, IR as well. So um, they're on like the non-player list because they're not, they're waiver exempt. So uh, it's I think Leah Janison just went on IR too, by the way, today. So I've heard mixed things about that. I haven't seen anything from the Kings. I know we posted that he did, but then I saw some other Kings reporters say that he, they might wait and okay. retroactively do it. So I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, they already have an extra forward, um, either in Grundstrom or um, Lemieux to yep. play. So I don't know, maybe they'll wait and see how bad it is during the homestand before they go on the road. So we'll see, but I mean, it is a groin injury. Those tend to linger. So maybe it'll, maybe it just is going to happen retroactively, but yeah, yeah, I saw that too, that it might be IR for him. It just, I don't, we'll I don't see. see anything official. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, by the time you guys hear this, it might be already official and you're staring into your screens on YouTube. Like what the heck are you guys talking about? So, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about since we're, you know, we're the rain and we got games coming up, um, you know, starting Saturday. Where does Wagner and Strand fit into the roster in your mind? So when I pencil in and I'm looking here at, at the, the lineup that I kind of penciled in, I see, we'll start with Wagner. There's too many options in the top six for me. So I think he's going to fall somewhere in that middle to bottom, probably bottom six. Um, I, th I think anyways, but I mean, even there, like, so I have, again, very like Turcotte, Madden, Kapari, Fagamo, Tynan are all, those are five guys that are going to be in your, I think going to be in your top six somewhere in some way, shape or form. And maybe even Jared Anderson Dolan, depending on how they slot him, if they move him to the wing, if he's in play center. Um, but I actually think Braden Burks looked pretty good in the preseason. He's the guy with, with some NHL experience. If he's going to play in the top six or middle six, um, Johnson's had a pretty good uh, camp, and I think he's a guy that's going to slot into the lineup and be a regular. Martin Furk is still is down there as well. Um, so Wagner, I don't know. I see him at you know maybe he's a third line winger in Ontario, but there's so many options. I didn't even mention Dudas. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm very interested to see. There's so many guys down there uh, that I, I I I'm very curious to see how this opening night lineup is going to shake out because I would assume that this is going to be, you know, coach Robleski's kind of first look at how he wants to attack the season. Um, obviously knowing things are can and are going to change probably fairly frequently, but um, I don't see Wagner in the top six. Um, I can see him on a third line. I can see him on a fourth line. Um, but I've, I've got, 
five lines and an extra written down here. That's how many guys I've got, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody. So there's a, it's going to be a, a bit of a log jam, if you will. So for Wagner, like I said, I don't think it's in the top six. I think it's more third or fourth line. For Strand, man, I think the way they had the, the defense group set up in the stat second preseason game, I I like the look of those with Phillips Dersey, Clegg Spence, I actually wrote in my recap, I didn't love the Movarari grounds pairing, uh, but I can see Strand getting some time maybe with Movarari on the third pair um, and maybe slot kind of in and out with Grands and maybe Grands. They may, I can see them kind of slow playing Grands a bit. He's, he's looked exactly as expected for me as somebody who, and I, in my preview, I'd said I talked to uh, 16 fun Chris. He's a raw talent. He looks at, he looks at, you know, he, he, he's a guy that this, you know, he's getting used to the North American rink. He's getting used to the speed and, and some of the, the, the AHL. So I think it's going to be a work in progress for him. And he's at times looked like it's been a bit of a struggle, but that's okay. It's, it's kind of expected. I think I, I don't, I, I don't have like crazy high expectations for Helgi Grants. I just want to see him settle in and kind of slowly and steadily improve throughout the season. So that said, I think Strand's going to see some ice time maybe uh, along that right side. Uh, I can see him kind of in and out with Granz perhaps. Um, but, you know, with the, way, with the way Spence has looked, I don't see him coming out of the lineup anytime soon. But uh, that's where I see Strand, kind of in that 6-7 mold. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's, again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how the lineup shakes out Saturday. Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling with both players, and, and how I feel about it is the Kings know exactly who both those players are. There might be a little bit more ceiling for Strand to touch in his game because he hasn't got that chance at the NHL level, but Wagner has, and they know exactly what role they want him to play, and so right. why, not right. play this, why not play the same role for the rain? Because even if he's playing bottom six minutes and he's not scoring a lot of points, the Kings know his style of game, and then they can bring him up right. if they need to because they know exactly what he gives. Also, yep. the power play was pretty bad last year, and Wagner could definitely help solve some of those problems with his speed and his peskiness uh, in the bottom six area and on the penalty kill. Um, you know, so I, I'm not too worried about where he plays. I think he's a bottom nine player. If they need him to play on the second line and use his speed, you know, that's not going to be something that's difficult. You know, if a guy needs a night off or a little ankle twinge or something like that or a back-to-back and, you know, somebody needs some rest, you know, they could have him play on the second line. But like you said, I – why change his role, what he's going to have to do on the on the rain versus what he's going to have to do on the Kings and take time away from the prospects that need the development that have have not reached their ceiling as a player? Yeah, I think what you said, too, is he's had enough NHL experience where they know what he is. They know exactly what they're getting out of him. It's not like he's a guy that's a Kapari or a Madden that, that they're still kind of figuring out what positions he's going to play, what roles he's going to play. Um, how's he developing? I mean, I think they know what Wagner is, so they can call on him at any time um, to, to, to pop into the Kings lineup if they need it, regardless of whether he's playing first line or fourth line in Ontario. I, I think they can do that if they wanted to. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, what line he plays in. But so that's, I, I would agree. I yeah. agree. And, and again, I didn't even mention, talking about wingers, I, I, I mentioned, I didn't really mention Dudas at first. Then you have Sodagran, Doty, Kemp, like there's, like there's still, I have a whole fifth line of Doty, Pavlichev, Kemp. And, and again, I have, Firk, where does Firk fit in all of this too? So you figure he's going to get some ice time. So there's, there's a ton of guys, a ton of guys. 
And that's the thing about the AHL is there's no roster limit. So exactly, exactly. You're going to see a lot of rotation, and as we should, I think Gronz is going to be that one of those guys that's going to get in the rotation. He's might, probably won't play every night, maybe every other night, but he's one of those guys that you know with with uh, that I think you just have to get him more playing time. He's yep. not going to get used to the American ice if he doesn't play on the American ice. And sometimes practice is only practice. You work on drills. It's not a live situation. You're working on situational stuff. And so he needs to get on the ice, whether that's every game or every other game, he needs to log minutes for that to improve. And you know, I know, I know a lot of coaches like to, and I go back and forth on this and maybe it's, I pick and choose when I, when I want to agree with it, I guess. But um, a lot of times they'll say, you know, we need this. It, he's better served this particular game in the press box and watching the game from above. Um, I, I go back and forth on that a little bit, but because it is true, like if you're watching the game from the press box, as opposed to being in it and live, like you see things differently, there's no question about it. So you, you definitely see a different perspective when you are up there. So I don't think that it's, it's wrong to think that players can't gain something from watching the game from above. So if, if they do pick and choose when to spot Grands and maybe give him a night off so he can watch from the press box and, and maybe see how certain plays develop. Um, I, in his case, I think I will buy into that because I think this is a big year from a development standpoint. I'm not looking or care about, you know, bottom line production from Helgi Grands. I just want to see him steadily improve in the D zone, steadily improve his skating, steadily improve and kind of with his, with his jumps and, and jumping into the rushes going forward, being confident enough in the offensive zone, those types of things. So, um, which, you know, again, whether that's playing every night, watching some from, from above, that's fine. But um, I, I want to temper expectations for, for Grimes, but I, I think it's a development year for him. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to uh, like what we both said. And then, you know, from, a great interview with Travis Kelsey talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes is the locker room will know, the coach will know when he's ready for more responsibility, when he's maybe ready sure. for some power play two time. Um, you know, if they're up by five to one, the AHL is a developmental league. And so those are times yep. that he can get power play time. Those are the times that he could log more minutes and uh, whether they're winning or losing, mm -hmm. obviously Robleski wants to win the Calder trophy. So, you know, winning is important as well. And so, you know, that's his job as as uh, head coach to balance the training with uh, the winning yep. hockey games. So we'll see how that shakes out. I think that he needs more ice time, um, you know, whether that's viewing or whatever. And then, you know, I think every sport's different. You know, maybe the thing that he needs to work on the most is something that can be learned in practice as well as a game. And so you might get a little bit of yeah. uh, both things. So we'll see how that shakes out there. Uh, although we had our best scorer leave the team, uh, to much glad of uh, everybody with Kaliev going up to the Kings and making the roster, whether that was because of Byfield and Leah Sanderson, we don't know. It's still well-deserved, uh, had, uh, had a Hattie in one of the preseason games. Uh, it helps. Some, some, some snipe shows. When <laughs> yeah. When you're, when you're torching the net and they have to bring a fire extinguisher <laughs> out on the ice, definitely turn some heads. Um, so you know, we wish him all the luck of, uh, you know, we're going to miss the already parties down here. I already stocked up on all the beer. And so I'm going to have to break that anyways, but we're going to enjoy watching it for the Kings. Um, where does that leave the the top six for you? Obviously, Kaliev was uh, right wing one. So where does that kind of all filter in moving forward? My assumption, uh, and we'll know for sure on Saturday anyways, um, at least how they're going to start it. My assumption is Turcotte and Tynan are your, 
are your one two in terms of down the middle centers. Um, so then you have a wing, so then you have a winger crop. Madden Madden has been playing on the wing, and Kupari has been playing on the wing. So I think those guys are going to be on the wing. Obviously, Fagamos there. So I don't know what combination they went with Turcotte, Madden, Kupari the other night. But you know, Fagamo they gave the day off, so maybe Fagamo is going to be up on that top line. I think it just kind of depends. But those are your 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 first three wingers of your top four uh, of Madden, Kapari, and Fagamo. So I guess you kind of jumble them however you would prefer. I, again, we'll say they stick with it and go Madden, Turcotte, Kapari. That leaves Tynan, Fagamo, and who's that left winger? Um, it could be Ferk. Ferk played with uh, uh, Tynan in the first game and was effective. Um, again, I think Braden Burke has looked pretty good, kind of under the radar good, because he's not like one of these Kings prospects. Um, I think he looks pretty good in the, in, in, uh, the first two, in the two preseason games. Um, so I can see him, I, maybe they move Jared Addison Dolan to, to the wing, um, and move him into the top six. I can see it. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the way the lineup slots, I can, I, I expect, Anderson Dolan to play third line center in Ontario, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe move him to the wing here and there to see how he, how he plays on that side, because there's a chance he's a guy that could move to the wing long-term for the Kings. Um, so even if it's not a permanent thing, but so as far as the top six, though, I think Madden, Kapari, Fagamore are locks. It's just a matter of who's that last winger in the top six. Is it Jod? Is it, is it Ferk? Could it be Wagner? Again, I just said, I think he's going to be bottom six. So I don't think it's going to be him. And Johnson, could it be Johnson? He's a guy, he, he brings some wheels and he's been a guy that's got some AHL experience. Maybe it's him. Um, but I think those are probably the options that you're looking at. I don't think, like I've been a fan of Soda Grant's play, but I think he they're going to let him, he's coming off injury and stuff like that. So they're going to let him kind of ease back in. I think Dudas is definitely more of that bottom six winger role so i think between burke Ferk, maybe johnson uh, um and again maybe if they move anderson dolan to the wing he could be a guy too so we'll, we'll see saturday yeah i like i i i think a lot we're on the same page there i think burke's going to be the sixth man in there i like the turcott kupari fagamo line uh, kupari on the left wing and where he played a little bit um in camp with byfield yep. Uh, and then you have Madden has been playing on the left side with Tynan uh, a little yep. bit in practice and have Ferk on the right side. And I really like Madden on the left because he can, he's skillful enough to walk it up the boards and then cut in. And he has a pretty good shot to release from the, yeah, from very the good shot. Zone. So yeah. I kind of like that. I think he's more skillful than Ferk is. Ferk is like a great one shooter where yep. he posts up and then he just lets that 110 mile an hour <laughs> shot go. So, you know, that's this may not be going up. Yeah, this this may not be um, a popular opinion. I, I don't know. Ferk, like I know he shoots the puck a billion miles an hour, and that's great. But I don't know. Like I, I I'm not because I know there was some like when the Kings waved him, there was a there was a fan base. At least I, I mean I say this as I, you know, browsing Twitter, um, that they were very people were concerned about losing Ferk and Ferk and Ferk, and it's like I know he's got like. He scored some big goals for the rain in the past. He's been in the organization for a little bit. And, and I, I understand that. And I, I appreciate that. But I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to look at this kind of longer term, if you will. And I don't know. He's it's not. Nostalgia. He's, so it's nostalgia. Yes. You're talking about ESPN, you know, the, the theme song. 
the Velarde <laughs> Furk nostalgia of him and them, you know, bouncing yeah. back and forth to each other with the rain and on the Kings. It's the same yeah. reason why a lot of people like Jod as the fourth C and you said Lazat has better numbers or Byfield should be there. It's just because right. they, they score goals and then that right. gets imprinted here because we've been so destitute. It's like it's like seeing a mirage in the desert. Like you're like, oh man, I'm so thirsty. There's look at those all those goals. And like yeah. that gets kind of trapped in there. And that shot is is unbeknownst. I like that yeah. as a player. And I think that if we didn't make acquisitions in the summer, if BA and Kachev aren't there, Ferk is on the team because they need goal scorers. And so, but we don't have them there. Do the rain need goal scorers? Yeah, their power play was awful, and he'll be a staple on the power play one. Uh, the five-on-five game with Tynan and his, and his you know, assist-first mentality, it's going to be a match made. And if you look at all the wingers on both sides, they're all shooters. Ferk Madden can shoot. Kapari can shoot. Sagamo can shoot. You know, Kapari and Madden have a little bit more skill. And then Turcotte and Tynan are assist-first guys, so... I, th- I think it's going to be interesting. And, and and like I said, exactly with Wagner is, is, is John has got to develop the skills that he's going to be using in the next level, which are not top six skills. They're going to be bottom six skills. He needs to be taking defensive zone faceoffs. He needs to be playing more penalty kill millets. He needs to be trying to generate offense from the bottom six. And I think if uh, you're looking at PK one being, uh, you know, Sutter and Wagner and him being PK2 with a, with another guy, I think that's going to be, a, you know, a, a very much a learning aspect for him to take a spot from Lazat uh, coming up, especially since Byfield's most likely out until December. So yeah, I think he needs to learn and like, and exemplify what he's good at. And I always had a coach say like, dude, you're not a speedster. Like, why are you working on your base stealing acumen? It's like, you're never going to be that guy work on what you're good at. And what he's going to be good at the next level is, is face-offs, defensive zone acumen, 200-foot game, and he should really just hammer in and fine-tune those points. Agreed, because I think I think that's when I wrote the piece early in the summer, and I don't think, again, <laughs> I don't think it was necessarily a popular one, but that I preferred Lazat to. I heard about boycotts coming your way, man. I didn't give, any, <laughs> I didn't give your address out because I didn't want that Listen. kind of shade on you, but I heard boycotts were coming. I saw some of the comments on on the when Hockey Royalty tweeted that the case for Blake Lazat that it was like oh come on, but like again it's boring, it's not sexy, it's not exciting, but it's effective, and you know John Robleski, the coach for the Rain had talked or excuse me no uh, McClellan talked about um, you know we don't want to give back like if we're if we're if our top couple of lines are like pressing and pressing and pressing or, or scoring goals or whatever it might be. We don't want the fourth line to give it back. And Lazat is, again, it's, it's kind of boring, but it's effective. So if Jared Anderson Dolan, to your point, can work on the, the rounding out his game because, so you mentioned the power play. The power play in the last game for the rain had Turcotte down low. They had Madden in kind of that bumper role in the one, three, one Clegg at the top, who, by the way, Clegg looked awesome. I thought in, mm-hmm his last preseason game Kapari and they had Anderson Dolan on the left side. So I'm, I, I, I don't know if that's his spot long-term because you mentioned FERC. I actually think I can see now, again, maybe they want to, to parse out the, the talent a bit, but I think that first unit could very well be if it with Clegg at the top, Kapari on the right circle, Madden in the middle, Turcotte down low and on the left is Fagamo. And that's just potentially lethal. But on the second unit, you could easily have the likes of Dersey, TJ Tynan, 
that's where I think FERC can fit. If you've, if anybody has been able to have a chance to watch the rain or even the Kings uh, rookie faceoff, and if you've seen Jordan Spence, I usually am an advocate for four forwards and one defenseman on the power play. But in this case, to have Dersey and Spence, I'm all in uh, on Jordan Spence, the way he's looked so far. So um, I, the power play should definitely be better this time around for the Ontario rain. You know, there's another spot that I kind of think where Jad maybe could learn some things, some skills would be on the power play, would be the Dustin Brown role, where Turcotte's down, blocking the goalie, he's scrappy, and working on those tip-ins, and, like, that's the kind of role that I envision Jad so I can see being John, type of yeah, I can see Jad, if they, if, they, if they do a 1-3-1 similar to that, I can see Jad being the guy down low in that, that bottom role on PP2. So he's I can see that. He's good enough on the boards to get eke out those pucks down low yep. if they need to. He's got quick enough hands down low, and he's a big enough body. I mean, he's 5'11", 187, which is on elite prospects, so he's probably a little bit bigger now, you know. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I know that um, in my piece for Lozat, part of my issue with – I say issue, like – uh, for Jared Anderson Dolan was he scored goals, which uh, as if that's a bad thing, but I just don't, I think it's fair to expect that because a shooting percentage was like 20 some percent, I think. So it's, you can't expect it. But the thing is this, it's interesting in order to spike a shooting percentage like that, like you, you have something, you have a tool. Like I, in my most recent article, Adrian Kempe, he's never had a shooting percentage in any level, HL, uh, in Sweden, NHL above like 13%. So he, his shot is not his, he's, he doesn't have a shot that's been able to spike even 15, 16, 17. So, so there's something there with Dolan that, okay, obviously 20 is not sustainable, but he's done it. And I, I think like there's something maybe to that, that maybe he does have a skill that he can contribute offensively. Now, again, if it's not 20% and it's down more to like the low teens or, or 12 in that 12 to 14 range, which is still fine. It's just, you have lost a lot in terms of your, of, of what you brought as a offensive producer. So you need to make that up in the back end with how you are in the D zone, which is where his struggles were. But if he can get that and improve that, he can be a really effective bottom six player as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, you look at him last year, 11 points in 34 games. And so that's obviously showing some offensive skill and, and some acumen to be around Ooh, the net when you need to. Role. Yeah. And uh, and all that kind of stuff there. And, you know, I understand your point. I mean, Lazat, it's like a, a hot dog and a beer at a baseball game. It, it's it's reliable. It's always good. Yeah. It's there. Is it flashy? No. Does it give you relish? No. It's just a straight line of mustard and and, and an ice cold beer. It's it's tasty. It's good. And it depends. But, it depends on what your expectations are. Like, it is like for Lazat, I don't expect him to do anything, anything offensively, just if he can be good in the D zone. And if he has the right wingers, um, they can be a line that spends more time in the offensive zone. They may just, maybe they don't have the shooting talent to actually produce the goals, but if they spend time in the offensive zone, that's a win for your fourth line. That's really all you're looking for is don't ham us into our own zone. Yeah. Them, Let's spend time you, in the other from all good around the net. Right, right. And, sorry, and you said, don't know, have you into the zone. Go keep going with your point. Sorry. Well, no, you're right. You're right, though. But, but, and you know, like Trevor Morrison to play. Trevor Morrison in the fourth line. Yeah. So, like, there's, which that's a, they have a potential for a really, really effective possession fourth line that can chip in. 
And you know what? If 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 Lazat, um, you know, has has kind of a steps back in terms of his defensive game and it's not working, then you make a change. And obviously, Byfield that's going to be his spot when he gets back in the lineup, uh, whenever that is. I mean, I, I suspect Byfield may play some games in Ontario just just to ease him back in. But um, but I, again, I, I think it's it's a it's it's okay for for the fourth line guy to not be sexy if he's effective in possession. He doesn't have to score goals if he has the right wingers around him. Trevor Moore, I I, I really like that. And 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 Athanasio, when he gets back, that's probably your fourth line is more Lazat, Athanasio. Uh, and then like you said, you have Grunstam as well, and you have Lemieux. Lemieux looked. Listen, uh, I've had, I probably said it on prior podcasts. I just Lemieux's a guy that. I can see being waived and I was way off on that if I said it because he's a guy he and he's looked pretty good like for to his credit he he has looked okay um in the preseason he's earned a spot he's earned a spot in the lineup so um he can bring a little bit of a different element but so it, it's it's but you have to you have to slot guys in kind of where they need don't force don't force guys if they're not ready you know maybe Jared Anderson Dolan last year it made more sense just because the way the Kings roster was constructed, but they've added guys, you know, they've added three forwards in Kachev and in, in Dano and Arvidsson. So that's going to just knock everybody down a peg, you know? And so that means Jared and Dolan is going to start the season in Ontario. It's good for an Ontario. And I don't think it's a bad thing for him. Hey, the, the, the roster isn't going to look the same from start to finish in the season. And we all no. know that. So it's not going to be a bad thing. And then a little bit of more marination, uh, you know, down down in the age, it is not going to hurt uh, a guy no. like him. But uh, the Rain made their first set of moves. Uh, Frank Ora and Christian uh, Kazatul uh, were released from their PTOs. Uh, the goalie room uh, went from five to three. Lucas Parikh was loaned to Rapid City Rush, and John Lethemon is back with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, my favorite ECHL yes, mascot. Uh, Gonna get you a Lethemon Swamp Rabbit. Oh, give me, that, give me that goalie jersey. Somebody put him <laughs> like a double zero or something like that to wear in some sweet jersey. Um, with COVID protocols and injury risk, do the rain keep three goalies? Because if like you're looking at all the all the stadiums with um, like like SAP is vaccination only, right? So there's no fans allowed to do testing there. Some of the Canadian teams have the same guidelines. So it's different with every single organization. I don't know the vaccination status of these players and it's really none of my right. business, but right. with the COVID protocols the way they are, do you think that the rain will keep three goalies on deck in case they have to throw one over to the Kings or vice versa? I'm kind of expecting them um, to keep three here at the start anyways. And, you know, I, I think they've looked pretty good. Like I've, I was really impressed. Uh, I thought England played great uh, in the first game uh, against San Diego. Uh, Valalta has been really good. He came in um, last, or he came, no, he, I'm sorry, he started last game, um, and I, I, I wouldn't necessarily blame him for some of the some of the goals. He actually made a huge save. Sparks started the last game, but he made a huge save in the second period, did Valalta, um, to keep it at 3-1. So I actually like where the goaltending sits right now for the rain with Valalta, Sparks, and and I, I think Ingham sticks around for a bit. I, maybe they decide, you know, it's not worth it to keep three and they'll end up sending them somewhere else. But um, I think for the short term, I can see it. Yeah. So right now, the, right now the games swing out. Uh, Saturday's the first game against the goals at home. Uh, then Sunday, they, they have a split home, 
home thing with the uh, Abbotsford Canucks come in on Sunday. That's kind of weird having a one team on Saturday, one team on Sunday. Uh, but they stick around for Tuesday. So you're looking at three games in, in four days. Like you said, they might keep all three goals around. They each get one and then go from there. Uh, it'll just depend on how that goes. But I think it, there's – just like with any prospect, they're just going to have to see whether him starting more games in the ECHL or wherever he gets loaned to is is worth more than him playing every fourth or fifth game. God, I feel like if there's ever a position that needs reps, it's goaltending. Um, yeah. So I, I think wherever he's seeing the most pucks is going to be beneficial to Ingham. But um, I, I think, I'm you know, because I, I know goaltending has been a, a – uh, a sour subject uh, in Ontario, um, especially last year. But I'm cautiously optimistic the way the preseason and the, the camps have gone. Volalta's looked good. They've all looked pretty good. Volalta's looked good. Ingham has looked good. Even Lethemann, he he played a bit too. He split the game with uh, uh, Ingham the first uh, the first preseason game. He looked very good. Um, and Sparks, like, I don't know, Sparks, maybe this is – I just – I – how do I say this when outside? I don't care as much. The reason I say this is because he's not like a prospect. So I think that, again, you had said this before with Wagner. Like, I think the Kings know Sparks is a guy. He's a veteran. He's been in the NHL. He's been in the AHL. So if they need to call on him, if he has a rough start, like, I don't know. I think they know kind of what they're getting with him. So I look at him in that realm. So I, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say I don't care as much about it. It's just because I think they – I'm coming from that is they kind of know what he is, if you will. Like he's, he's not, not a guy. We all, right. all of us Keens fans want to know who's, who's up after Peterson. Who's right. up after Peterson. Is it Volalta? Is it Parikh? Is it Ingham? Like, and like you, said, listen, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. Is it Markinen in Finland? I mean, it, it could be, but Parikh is a guy. I think that <laughs> we'll see how Volalta plays this season. Um, like I said, he's had a good bit here in terms of the offseason and preseason here for, for the Kings in the rain. But I wouldn't be surprised if Preak ends up being kind of like the slowly gaining seam here. Over the, we'll, we'll see this season, but I, I like Preak. I think he's going to be an interesting prospect. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Like I said, just, they just got to see a, a, a ton of pucks, and we'll see how it goes. And maybe they keep all three for like that three out of four weekend that, that it starts, and then maybe ship somebody out there. You know, and they also need a partner to dance with. You, you can't loan a player somewhere if there's not spots. So maybe right. they're still looking for that kind of, uh, that sure. kind of, that kind of area there. So uh, let's get to the preseason. Um, other than, um, you know, the two games dropping both games against the goals. I thought there were some positives, some, some negatives. Definitely love the fights. There were some really good fights there. Love that uh, his name escapes me right now, but like, I love that he like, Hey, he pushed the referee away. He's like, Hey, let me finish my, my job here. I'm not done at work. Like, don't try to <laughs> check me out early. My, the time clock is still running on this one, Bob. Was that Doty? Was that Doty that did no, that? No, that was one of the other guys. I forget his name. Doty had the other fight. Drawn, and, Cameron, um, drawn a blank too now. And I have it had, in my notes somewhere, but. He had like two, he yeah. has like two names or whatever. His last name has two names or whatever. But um, I'll, I'll start with game. Well, I'll start with just the overall uh, like spot for me. I thought there were some positive negative there was no game in which the whole lineup was playing with each other sure. um samuel fagamo had a late entry into the first game which he wasn't expecting to play which means if you're not warming up expecting to play yep. he played on the fourth line that whole game so it was just kind of a fill-in so it really wasn't kind of doing anything there and so 
the player that really stuck out to me, and, and I know that, uh, you know, Spence has been the highlight, but it was Johan Sodergren. And Yeah, glad and, you said that. And with the fact that he injured all last year, has a bigger body, is going to bring something different to the skill set of the game, and yet he flashed skill in this game with some tape-to-tape passes, some shot that got tipped by Spence, uh, up against, uh, work up against the boards. I really liked his grit and the way he played the game and showing little flashes of skill, like he was just seasoning the pan, you know, like it would just, it was good, you know, good color to his game uh, that we already know he can play. And then with him being a little bit of a wild card because of the injury, it's just nice to know that he's there and uh, is contributing uh, instantly. I, I'm I'm so pumped that you said that because I completely agree. And I was very intrigued and after I did the player preview on him and talking to Sixton and, and watching some past video, I'm like, this kid's a, you can tell from what he's like, he's got a brain, he's got a hockey brain. Like he knows, he, he knows where to go on the ice when he doesn't have the puck. And you can tell just the way his style of play was like, he's first in on four checks. He's first in back checks. Like he's, he's not afraid of that game and he's not, he's good on the wall. So I wanted to see how he developed and I've been really, he's one of the forwards that I have on my, on my notes from both games that I've been very impressed with him. Uh, to your point, he's very good on the wall, and he's a guy that brings a physical presence, which he's coming off a. It, it, I think it's a it's a fairly serious back injury that he had. So, um, how he comes off of that and gets back into game form, we'll see. But really, really um, happy with the, the two games that I saw from him, um, and I think uh, we'll see Saturday if 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 that earned him a spot uh, in in the lineup. I kind of think, you know, Robleski had some comments after the game, after the second game that, that he kind of challenged him a bit and said, you know, let's go, go take your spot, if you will, um, be assert yourself. And he did it. Um, so I'm glad you said that because I'm a big fan of Sodergren's and um, I thought he's looked really good in the first two games. And he brings an element that, you know, we talk so much about the skill that Kapari has and Turcotte has and so many other guys have. He brings, he has a little bit of skill, but he has kind of a more well-rounded and all around, he can, he can win wall battles. He'll be in on a four check. He can back check. He can play in the D zone um, and he can contribute offensively. And he's smart. He, he just makes, he makes those little smart plays that, that maybe can kind of go unnoticed a little bit, but keep plays alive or, or keep pucks in the zones type of thing. So uh, I'm a fan of his and I hope he, I hope he's a regular this year. Yeah, I thought the play that really summed it up for hockey sense for both the guys we mentioned, Spence and Sodergrand, was the the goal there uh, off the faceoff setter, uh, you know, wins the drop back. He's up there a little bit past the right circle and, and sees, you know, two players in front of the goalie and, and just chucks the puck towards the towards the low pad yeah. and, and hopes for a tip. And Spence saw that, yep. tipped it. Um, yep. I don't know if they ended up giving him the goal or if they went to. They did. I think they finally did. They they yeah. started it with with I think it was Sutter they gave it to yeah. originally, but but they got it right. So that's the thing. To your point, so, though, so that's two hockey cool. sense plays in one, and it, it shows the the acumen of the team there. Yeah, because you know when if that's so that was a set faceoff play first of all, and that there's one thing I've seen from from the rain is is there's every faceoff you're seeing movement that is definitely pre-planned um they definitely have some set face-off plays in the offensive zone and that was one of them because spence curls down low as the defenseman and Sodergrand immediately popped out toward uh, popped out high toward the point and um you know so 
he gets that puck in that spot. And I think rather than try to wire a clapper or rather than take a few strides in and maybe, maybe make a move, you know, he sees the play develop. He sees not just Spence, but Sutter kind of converging on front of the net. And he knows I just had to get to this, to the area. And he fires it. Uh, doesn't have to be the hardest shot in the world. You just got to get it there and let your guys do the work. And and I thought that was a really good heads up play by him. Now, granted, again, it's, it's probably one right out of the practice rink that they've worked on, but that said, he, he executed it. So that's, that's good to see. A play is not a play if it doesn't have execution. So that's, and he did it. Yeah, he did it. And the guys in front, both, both, both Sutter and Spence did their job in front and Spence is the one who got a stick on him. So so, I mean, we were uh, another another thing with both year write-ups is that we were vastly outshot both games. Um, our defensive core got deeper. Um, and so is, th- does, is this cause for concern for you? Is this the fact um, that is this fact that they just didn't play the whole team either game? And so we didn't really get to see uh, like the actual lineup or like how do, how do you kind of feel about it? The first game I throw out a little bit because it was definitely not the lineup that we're going to see the second game we we did out we outshot them outshot attempted them uh so we we did a good job there and that was a much better and i think the score line was a little i mean the, the rain right from the get-go from the jump they were the, the jump was great and so i thought they were a little unlucky um to be down in that first period they they didn't deserve that they played pretty well uh the rest of the game was a bit perhaps a little bit more even but but still i thought I thought the second game was definitely the better of the two, which isn't surprising when you look at the lineup, but even still in that second game figure, you did not have TJ Tynan. You did not have Samuel Fagamo. So you were still missing some offensive threats, but they had their decor that, and I think the one thing that to look out for, for the rain this year is you can tell in watching these two preseason games, their D are going to be active. So they're going to be jumping in plays off faceoffs in the offensive zone. They're going to be involved in the cycle in the offensive zone, meaning they're going to jump down as the forwards are coming out of the corner. They're going to go, they're going to jump down into the play. They want that. And then when you have the likes of Dursey and Spence who are going to, and Clay, who are going to look to probably even lead the rush out of the back end, their D are going to be active. So, you know, inherently that's going to lead to, it's going to leave you uh, exposed you know, potentially to some odd man rushes coming the other way. It's just going to be the nature of the system that they're going to play. But I think when you're blitzing, sometimes you get burnt deep. That is what it is. Right. And I think, I think they're okay with that. I think they should be okay with that because these are the guys, these are the horses that they're running with. So I think they should do that. Do you think it's a, do you think it's an organizational uh, focal point? Because I've seen, we've seen a lot more of that in, in the Kings preseason games as well. It does. It seems it. It certainly seems it because we've seen it. Yes, we've seen it in, in L.A. I mean, Walker has been I think Sean Walker's looked really good. Um, Edler's even Edler's jumping up in plays. Uh, Mikey Anderson's <clears throat> pushed up a bit more this season, too. So, yeah, I think it's an organizational thing. Which will be good because we were um, pretty much next to last in, all, in almost every single offensive category for the defenseman on the Kings and having that little bit more of a. Uh, a boost from the back end will be, will be nice. And I think there's offense to me, like I, I, I tend to believe that offense starts from the back end too. Like you're, you're eventually you're going to have the puck in your own zone. Can you effectively and efficiently get it up and out of your zone? And the rain have 
puck movers with Jersey, even Phillips too, Clegg, Spence, Movarari can move the puck well. So they've got guys that can get pucks out of the zone. It's just how do they handle in transition coming back at them? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. going to be the question where they're going to leave this themselves exposed a little bit and we'll see how it goes. But um, it's going to be, there should be some fun games. I mean, these games should be fun because I think with as active as their D is going to be, there should be plenty of offense. You know, Robo said that in the first year he came, they, he wants to win. He wants to win games by destroying people. Like he wants to yeah. have the offense on all the time and, and not take the gas off ever. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be something interesting to see. And, and we definitely saw them get burnt last year, uh, but the, the, the talent is also better this year. So maybe they're going to be able to handle that style of play a little better. You know, it's, it's good. It, you need the right talent to do running gun in, in, in basketball. You need the right talent to play air raid in football they have the right talent to do this style where the, the D are fully up in the zone and they take those kind of risks. And that's one of the things I've noted too. I have in my notes is, is, is active D like in terms of these two preseason games. So we only have two preseason games to go off of in terms of, you know, getting ready to prepare for, you know, the season for the rain. Uh, I, and I thought from a team standpoint, I thought when they had more of a, their regular roster, they controlled the possession against San Diego uh, I think the goaltending has looked good, and I think their D, there's a, there's definitely a, we are getting our D active, um, so that's good. And and from an, an individual standpoint, and looking at these first couple of preseason games, and just some guys that that stood out, and I'll let you take it if you want to take it anywhere from here, but I'll just list them. I thought Spence looked awesome. Big fan of Sotogram. Um Kapari had the puck on his stick a number of times in that last game, and just he couldn't find it, but. The puck was always on his stick. Uh, I liked Jared Anderson Dolan's game in the in uh, the preseason, and um, Pavlichev, who was a late scratch in the first game, I thought he had a really good second game. Really good, like he skated much better than I expected him to for a, for a, a giant. Um, but a really good game. He uh, he assisted on uh, Sotogran's goal in um, in the second game, so I thought he looked good. And if he's going to be a guy that's kind of you know, I, I assume right now he's kind of on the outside looking in as far as a regular, but um, again, interesting player, but a, a good debut, I thought, in the in the preseason for him. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and where I kind of see it going in is, you know, rookie tournament, normal camp, leading into the two preseason games, they're all intertwined. And yep. at, different, at different points in this offseason, you saw Kupara really shine, Turcotte really shine, and, and Bagamo really shine. And yep. I think that first line is going to be a juggernaut line if they can find the chemistry because Kupari is really trying to find his game, not being too much of a, a dandy playmaker and trying to find seams and get to the net. You're finding Turcotte is doing a, 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 a better job of utilizing his size and weight up against the boards where he was getting pushed around quite a bit last year. Um, he looked a hell of a lot better in the World Juniors. So he's he's looking like he's been able to to – to use his size a little better and, and Fagamo is constantly using that shot. So I think that'll be a line definitely that could lead, lead our team to a lot of victories. And Kapari. So you just mentioned it and I noticed it in the, the first there, excuse me, the first, yeah. First period of the, of the last game against the Gulls, he had a couple of opportunities with the puck on his stick in the offensive zone to me. And again, I mentioned earlier about watching the game from above rather than when you're in it, 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 he it's so it's easy for me to say but 
I think he held it just like a half second too long. He was looking for a play that maybe wasn't going to develop. So I hope he's kind of learning that and maybe we'll continue to see him grow in that sense where, you know, he's holding it probably a, a half second to a second longer than he should, you know, either make that pass if it's not there, trust your shot and get a zipper on that. If, if you're in, cause he was in, you know, he was in the circle. Like it's not as if he was, you know, on the wall or anything like he had opportunities to maybe put it toward the net, but he was looking to make a play, which I appreciate. But um, you know, if it's not there and, and, and nothing ended up happening, like nothing, there were three times I think that I noted in the first period that he had a puck on his stick in a scoring opportunity that never even resulted in the shot on goal. So like there's some positive and negative positive is he's the pucks finding him and he's, he's in spots where the pucks getting on his stick, the negative being, let's just, how does he turn that into let's get pucks. I, I don't want to blindly say throw pucks in nets Cause I want guys to be creative. I want guys to make plays if they're there, but it's just about recognizing like when that play is going to develop versus when it's not. And when you need to put the puck at the net or wait for that play to develop. So we'll it's, see how that developed for Kamari, but yeah, it's just fine tuning his skill set. When you're younger, yeah. you can dance around and do whatever you want because you're that skilled. You're the number one player on yep. the team, and so you know T Mac alluded to it last year. Kapari's mentioned it in his own interviews. You know, T Mac said like he has amazing feet, great balance, and sometimes he just needs to yeah, drive harder than net. Yeah, he just needs to drive harder than net because he is a great skater. If there's if instead of trying to make a a fancy play, drive harder than net, crash. Hopefully we get a rebound and we get we get a shooting opportunity that way, or shoot the puck more. But you know, he's not going to be. He needs to make that decision sometimes and, and drive the net. And just like in basketball, you get fouls and stuff right there. You create penalties, you create opportunities out of chaos. And and he could definitely be that type of person, especially with Turcotte, who loves going to the net as well. So and that is what it's part of what starts to separate guys as you go up in levels. So many of these guys, I'll, first of all, all these guys in the American Hockey League can shoot it. They've all got zippers for shots. They've all got pretty good hands too. And much of these guys, it's just, as you go up in level, the speed increases. So how do, can you make those decisions, whether it's I'm going to pass it or I'm going to shoot it or I'm going to make a move or I'm going to delay or whatever it's going to be. Can you make those decisions at top speed with the game zipping around you and i i think that's where kapari when it comes to the development is where is he in that because the jump from the ahl to the nhl is everything's going to be that much quicker right so those decisions have to be that much quicker so if it's if he's in the first period uh in the preseason game against the goals and he's kind of holding it a little too long maybe not sure that's not going to fly it's not going to work because they're going to be, they're going to close down on you even quicker in the NHL. So, um, but that's, that's okay. Like it's, it's, I think it doesn't, he doesn't have to be ready yet necessarily. And maybe as, as the season goes along, um, I, I fully expect him to be perfectly fine this year. And I think he's going to spend some time in Los Angeles, but, but as you go up in level, everything has to be done a little bit quicker and it's the guys that can process it you talk hockey IQ, the guys that can process it a little bit quicker and, and make those plays at top speed. Those are the guys that excel and then can stay in those skill top six roles as they go up in level. Otherwise you find yourself. Now you have to maybe adjust your game and you're playing in a third line role or a bottom six role because 
you can't make those skill plays at top speed like you could before. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And, and not only is he trying to figure out that, the players he's playing with are trying to figure out that. So maybe he's yep. at a higher yep. level than yep. some of his line mates. Sure. And sure. you got to find that chemistry when it comes to the game. And so it's just going to be interesting to see. It looked like he had great chemistry with, uh, with Byfield on that preseason game. And so, yep. you know, just finding that kind of match and people who think the same as you and, and get open. That's why we talk about pairs when you have a good pair and you're thinking the same on the ice where everybody is supposed to be. It makes the game a whole lot easier. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be some interesting hockey. We've got the Kings game tomorrow, home opener. Well, you might be listening to this the day of or the day after because the rain don't play till Saturday. This is the making it rain. So uh, hopefully we get some W's this week. Hockey is back. So, it's going to be just fun viewing it. I don't know what you're doing tomorrow. I think I'm doing tacos tomorrow. I know you got your brother's, is it your brother's wedding or family? Bro- yeah, my, my, my brother is getting married uh, on Saturday. So I've tomorrow is the rehearsal. We're doing the rehearsal tomorrow. Um, so we'll have some, you know, all that's going on. I've got to, so I'm the best man. I got to finalize my speech. I'm still working on finalizing that. I'm, that's what I do. I do everything's last minute with me. It's, it's well, leave yourself, do. leave yourself some crying breaks, just so you know you can get through the whole thing, um, <laughs> and, and you're, you know you're not a YouTube sensation. So uh, I don't want to be that. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to be is a YouTube sensation, and because of a best man speech. So, well, Joe, it's been a pleasure as always. I know we could always talk for another two to three hours, maybe create a Lord of the Rings saga out of Ontario Ring <laughs> hockey. But the fans have lives, too. And so we're going to cut this one here and, and get it going next week after a couple of games have been dropped. Uh, uh, you guys can find us at HockeyRoyalty.com. Articles are coming out every day. Joe is holding the fort down for the Ontario rain and all that coverage uh, because I have an old-fashioned typewriter, and he's better than, it, than I am. <laughs> and, so, uh, and then we have uh, you know King's content coming out as well. Uh, you can find us at hockey underscore royalty or royalty underscore pod. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you on the old Twitskis? J.W. Paterino. And I'm at, at Rando Commando 24. Always coming at you with the fun stuff here for the Ontario Reign. You guys have a great time after you're done listening to this, and let's catch some hockey this weekend. Enjoy. Enjoy.